guys, it's Cole and Emily back again this year. We do this every year where we sit down and kind of just reflect on the previous year as we celebrate our wedding anniversary. And this episode is actually coming out on our anniversary. Sometimes we do it before or after, but this year, this episode's coming out on our anniversary. And as always, we just have a lot to unpack in this past year. And for us, really, uh, these past couple of weeks have been pretty heavy. Uh, we are actually recording this at Emily's parents' house because we have been displaced from our home. Many of you guys have probably heard in the news that Bowling Green, Kentucky and much of Western Kentucky have been hit by tornadoes and unfortunately our house was part of that. And so we are uh, living elsewhere while our house is repaired and uh, it's just a different, a different season right now. We're celebrating Christmas not in our house and uh, we just have a lot of things going on. So we're here to talk about kind of what's been going on this past year and just reflect on what we've seen God doing in our lives, even amidst some of the heartache. Yes, I'd like to say that this episode is sponsored by marriage <laughs> and it's sponsored by hospitality and kindness. Like Cole said, we are here from my parents' house um, seeking refuge from the storm. We are very grateful for their hospitality and so grateful for everyone's kindness everyone that's reached out to us the past few days in the past week um, since we have been displaced and we are really lucky that the situation was not worse than it was yeah i guess we'll kind of just start there um december 11th was when this tornado hit and um i, I was fortunate i got approached by the washington post to share about my experience and if you haven't read that yet i'll link it in the show notes it, it was a really cathartic thing for me to be able to share about that night obviously it was a it was a horrifying night and i would say the scariest uh, most terrifying night that i have lived through uh, that i can remember at least and uh, that night it was it was a friday night and that whole day there was a lot of talk of storms coming toward bowling green and, and toward this area of the state and i just had a, a really weird uncomfortable feeling about it. I've always been somebody who has enjoyed storms and something about that day just felt um, unusually ominous, really. And I, I couldn't pinpoint why. I think a big part of that was because uh, Emily was going to be out of town that night. She was heading to Louisville to visit friends. And just in general, I don't really ever feel great. I, don't, I, don't, I kind of feel anxious when Emily leaves. It's just an uncomfortable feeling to be at home alone. Whenever you're so used to being with somebody, it's really odd to be at home and so be at home alone. So I was already uncomfortable about that, but then just it, it felt like these storms were going to be pretty bad. And uh, I just, I don't know, I had a feeling that, that something was going to happen. And that night, uh, storms just kept uh, getting worse. And they were they hit Mayfield in Western Kentucky and kept coming over to towns near us, north of us, west of us. And I was texting you the whole night. And it, it just, um, I think you, you maybe didn't realize how bad it was here. And you were trying to calm me down. And I was just kind of like, it seems really bad. And uh, what, what were you, what was kind of your mindset? Because I haven't really talked to you about this, but you were in Louisville and obviously not here. And you're just kind of reading my text messages and you were trying to be with friends. But uh, what do you remember about that night and obviously it stormed in Louisville but not quite like it was here but how did you well I guess what were your your thoughts and emotions as I was kind of blowing up your <laughs> blowing up your phone that night well I want to bring it back to the fact that it's our anniversary too because I don't want to I don't want us to forget that but 
Um, for those of you who don't know, we've been married for four years now, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I've learned anything about you over the past four years, it has been that you generally handle things in a much more logical and rational way than I do. So I, I mean, we both, I mean, if you're familiar with Enneagram, we both are feelers. We both feel a lot of things. You feel a lot of things, especially, um, and we're both pretty attuned to our emotions and other people's emotions. So I knew when you said that you were scared and knew that when you were contacting me about the storm happening, that it must have been pretty serious and it was going to be a big deal if you had been scared. Because yeah. I am always scared by storms. Like, I've never experienced a tornado. And, I mean, I would say I have now, but I'll, although I wasn't here, um, you know, my community experienced it. and. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that I can speak to. So Cole's not from here. Um, I've lived all of my life with the exception of when I lived in Indiana for the first two years of our marriage. Um, and Bowling Green has always been like just safe (laughs) from all storms. I know that's crazy to say, but it's, it seems like it's always affected the other areas around us versus directly impacting this community. And, I'm sure that's in part because of our geographic location, just not really being in the tornado alley like so many other areas are, you know, like in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Kansas, that area. So when you first contacted me, I was about that. Um, I knew it must have been serious because of how scared you were, but I honestly didn't believe it would be as serious as it was. Yeah. And so I think that's the part about it that still baffles me and just boggles my mind is that this has happened here. And, you know, I, it it makes me sad and it makes me, um, just, it it makes me, it makes me sad that I wasn't here. Not for the fact that like, I could have really done anything about it because me being here probably would have caused a lot more hysteria because of how scared I am of tornadoes. Um, but because you had to be by yourself and, you know, obviously, like I said, earlier, I'm really grateful that we have family and that we have so many resources and we have support here. But I know that was a scary experience for you. And obviously, we're still dealing with that. We're still dealing with the aftermath of, you know, not just the destruction, but the fear that that elicited in you and in this community. And um, it's, it's worth paying attention to it's worth talking about and not just you know, skating over and losing and losing sight of how it's affected us all, not just physically, not just our physical possessions, but also mentally. Yeah. I mean, if you don't live here or haven't been here, um, obviously this was on national news and, uh, people talked about it a ton last week and you maybe, you know, saw some of the pictures and stuff, but honestly, like walking up and down my neighborhood, it's, it's pretty unbelievable, um, the destruction. And, and that night, it, I went down into our basement, and we have a we have a little, I guess it used to be like a canning room. Our house was built in the '40s, and this it's a little clo- basically it's it's a, it's a little closet in our basement, and it was the safest place that I could go, uh, really, just in general, but also in terms of where the storm hit, it ended up being the safest spot uh, geographically. But um, I, I could hear it coming. And it just got so loud, and it just felt like a lot of things crashing and tumbling. They say it sounds like a freight train. I don't know that I really had that thought. Uh, I just 
I knew it got really loud. And I, I still don't think that I was at the point where I wanted to believe that it was a tornado. I think I, I've, I've been in, you know, pretty hard thunderstorms and I think that's just what I thought was happening. And I knew that it was pretty bad outside, but I didn't realize that it was a tornado until basically we have this door that goes to our basement that really doesn't ever really shut easily. And so I had to leave it open, but that got slammed shut by something. And so I knew, okay, something is open in our house. And that, that was when I got incredibly scared because I walked up the steps from our basement and I had no idea what I was going to walk up and see and uh, walked up and, and there was a gaping hole in our laundry room area and it was pouring down rain. And um, not long after that, it started raining into our bedroom because there was nothing, there was no roof there. It was just insulation and the water was pouring through. And so our bedroom was soaked. And um, I, I still, uh, I think at that point I still was um, not ready to believe that it was a tornado. And it wasn't until I got to walk out of our door and I looked down the street and obviously there was no power, but what I could see by flashlights was just tons of big trees down. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, it, it, it hit here. And I just could not believe it. I was, I was, I mean, I was at a loss for words. And my first thought was I saw my neighbor, Tony, um, who he's got like seven cats. We love him. Um, he was out and I just said, Tony, are you okay? And he said, yeah, we're okay. And they were looking for one of their cats and their cat came out from underneath our deck. I guess he had hit under there. Um, and we just saw all kinds of people with flashlights up and down the street. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And for this to happen at this time of the year, I mean, it's right by Christmas. Uh, you know, we're, I'm, I'm struggling right now just with this time of the year is always one of our favorites. We have your birthday in early December, and then we have our anniversary and then Christmas. And our house is always decorated so beautifully for Christmas. And it's just such a joyous time. And we get to be there and, and celebrate all of this. And it's going to be different this year. And it's it's nothing that we can really control. And here's something that I've been thinking about, too, is obviously there are people who have lost their homes, people who have lost their lives, and uh, people do have it a lot worse than us. But something that I've been trying to tell myself, and um, you're a therapist, you might even be able to speak to this, but um, people who are listening to this, that, that maybe you've gone through something similar, you've gone through trauma. For me, uh, it's been easy to start comparing mine and being like, well, like almost feeling guilty that I am grieving what's happened to me and my our situation being like oh people have it worse and i don't i don't really know that that's helpful or even that, if that's even good because just because somebody does have it worse doesn't mean that it's not bad for us and uh i, I don't say that selfishly i just say that very people who are listening that maybe you've gone through trauma or something like this um it's okay <laughs> and i think it's necessary to grieve it and live it and i think every day i have been processing this and trying to find ways to 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 um therapeutically navigate through it and writing for me has been one of the best ways but this is something that i mean in terms of our, our marriage i mean i emily the other night i i um i went to this doctor last week and they recommended that i start taking epsom salt baths uh they said that i was a nervous wreck and I was like, well, you know, I did just experience a tornado, but uh, my stress levels really in general, just other things that have gone on this year have been really high. And uh, I, I told Emily the other night, I, I said, uh, I, I just, I really think that I need to go see a therapist because um, that night it's just like, I'm, I'm speaking about it 
well here, but for much of the last week and a half, it's been really hard to talk about it um, because it's just it was such a traumatic experience. And so I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, just about grieving things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I think it's natural to want to be like, well, you know, I, I feel bad grieving this because somebody else lost their house. But like, you know, for us individually and personally, this is a big deal for us, you know, just because I mean, I'm not trying to belittle what we or anybody else has gone through, but like, you know, we, we're going to be out of our house for several months now and yeah. it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, everything that you're describing is survivor's guilt, right? You mm-hmm. know, feeling like your experience is not as valid or as important as what someone else experienced when in reality, you know, we have been through a tragedy and, Thankfully, we are okay physically, and thankfully, we did not lose anyone, and honestly, we didn't lose much of anything. Yes, there are certain things that have been destroyed. Our home has been hurt, but much, if not all of it, can be replaced, and I mean, we, our house was not leveled. It was, I mean, it was, you know, we were very lucky in terms of the damage done to our house, but obviously, the damage is, is more so to your your emotions and the way that you yeah. have dealt with this more than it is to like our property yeah and that's that has more lasting impact than our things and i and you know i told you the night of the tornado and everything like things don't matter yeah and and i will stand by that and you know i am somebody who does love to shop and i am somebody who you know likes nice things but at the end of the day those things don't matter like the fact that you were safe our cats were safe all of our neighbors were safe yeah. i mean like obviously bowling green we lost several people here 17 17 people two whole families mm-hmm. and um i think i don't know what the counts like around 80 90 people throughout the state died yeah. in the state so obviously yeah. this is devastating and i'm not I'm not diminishing that or minimizing that at all when I say this, but you know, that doesn't make the impact, even though that wasn't a personal impact of us losing people we know personally, it doesn't make that loss less significant. And I mean, I've dealt with that myself. You know, I think guilt is, guilt is an emotion. And I talk about this, I was talking about this today at work, you know, guilt serves a purpose and it doesn't always serve the purpose we need it to. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's not helpful. And this is one of those times where, you know, as we navigate a trauma, as we try to repair, not just our, the things around us, like power lines and our home and things like that, but we try to pick ourselves back up and, you know, pick up the pieces of what we left off, what left, um, left there, you know, it's, it's difficult because what once existed no longer exists. And I don't mean that in terms of like our home, because we will get that back. But, you know, having never experienced a tornado no longer exists, you know, the reality of living, you know, under the belief that you know, everything's going to be fine, might no longer exist, you know, just just certain realities have shifted, and they've changed. And I think, in some ways, that is a good reminder of our dependence on God, that is a good reminder of our need for community, that is a good reminder of the fragility of, of being a person of being human. And for me, that is such a good reminder that you, and my family, are my home. Yeah. 
And I've thought about that a lot this past week, like how, and that's kind of what I wanted to really talk about on here was that, you know, obviously it is so comforting to be in our home. And Mm -hmm. I know that's going to be a hard thing, especially for you with not being in our home on Christmas. But, you know, I've, I've been thinking so much this past week about how home is not a place. It's really not. And, you know, my parents moved to this new house and this is, this isn't the house I grew up in. And it's, it's still not quite our home, even though we're living here, but it's our home for now. But as far as I'm concerned, like being with you is being at home for me. And, you know, obviously this is a very vulnerable and a very tender time right now, especially like you said, with it being so close to Christmas, because it's just that juxtaposition of the pain with the beauty, like the darkness with the light. And, you know, those things can't exist without the other. Like what is light without darkness? What is darkness without light? And I think... Like I said earlier, you know, just focusing on what we have and being grateful for the people in our lives and being grateful for the help and the love and the outpouring of just care that we've received over the past week and a half yeah, um, has has made this that much less of a traumatic situation yeah. than it could be. And now, obviously, it's not the f- fun end <laughs> to this year that I think either one of us wanted. But, um, when I think of the fourth year of our marriage and I think of, um, just 2021 in general, because, you know, for, for the most of, you know, like each of the years of our, of our marriage, it's over the course of an actual calendar year, pretty much, except for that last week of the year. Um, so when I think about 2021, I I do think about some hardships. I do think about some hard things that have happened. I mean, it's, It's obvious there's been some hard things in the past two years collectively, like globally. And then obviously for us personally, because, you know, life happens. Yeah. Um, But there's also been so much joy and we've actually gotten to do a lot of things this year that we weren't able to do in the past couple of years. And I think we've grown a lot too. Yeah. There are a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you about just from a like a therapist mental health perspective one of the ways that i've described this and i don't want to camp out too much on the tornado it's just that this was a a pretty significant event that i think for us as a as a couple really serves as a barometer of like what for me um i don't want to say like the importance of marriage but like Mm. there i don't know that i have would have been able to get through this the past week and a half without having a spouse and being able to go through this. But one of the ways that I have described this emotion is that, you know, when you're in your home, that's your safe spot. You talked earlier about home and I put a post up earlier on Instagram uh, last week. I did this exercise with my, with my students before we were out of school and I asked them to write a poem about what home meant to them. And a lot of people that it just was somewhere that they felt safe. It, it wasn't always necessarily their house. A lot of people it was. For some people it was their grandparents' house. Others it was like a farm. But whatever it was, it was somewhere they felt safe and they felt comfortable, which is understandable. And, you know, when you're in your house, you know, you have worked to cultivate that space. You have created that space to be your own. When you're there, it's like that is your area. That's your corner of the world that you go home to. And, in a lot of ways, the emotions that I have felt with this tornado is that it almost 
feels like what I could imagine it would feel like when an intruder comes into your house. Because somebody who is not wanted has burst through an area that you have protected and cultivated, especially for us as a married couple, our bedroom, and has broken through and has come through and messed up our house and it has kicked us out of our own home. And it's almost like a violating feeling that, you know, something came in and disrupted what was our space. And that, that's, I, I was, I was talking to my best friend Eric earlier about this and that's kind of how I described it. And I don't really know if that makes a lot of sense, but like, you know, for me, um, just with that idea and then just the trauma of it, I mean, as a therapist, obviously you were not there. And so the, the firsthand experience, you're kind of having to live vicariously through me, but you know, if people who are listening, maybe they're not sure how to comfort their spouse. I mean, like I was opening up to you the other day just about how this might be a, a long-term struggle for me where, you know, when it storms, I, it, I, I don't know, it, it could trigger these emotions. You know, when I go downstairs to our basement and go in that room, it could trigger emotions. Um, how would you advise spouses who you know, maybe their husband or their, their wife are struggling through these emotions? Obviously, we recommend anybody to go see professional mental health, mental care um, but how would you advise a spouse to help their spouse if they're going through this? Um, I think that's first off, that's, that's great that you acknowledge that, that, you know, your spouse can't take the place of a, of a mental health professional in your life. You know, they obviously know you in a way that somebody else would not, but it is not your spouse's obligation to be, mm-hmm. you know, the person to guide you in that. Now I'm not saying they can't have an influence over you. Like you said, I'm, I'm very grateful that, um, my presence and, you know, just, just being there physically and emotionally for you has provided you with comfort. But, you know, I think I ultimately think everybody should seek therapy at one point or another, but especially if you find yourself to be in a season, um, of tragedy or hardship or trauma. Um, so I would, I mean, I guess if I'm I'm giving advice to the spouse of the person who's been through something, Mm -hmm. um, I would, I would advise them to, well, first and for first and foremost, I would say they need to pray for their spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, they need to pray with their spouse. And I would say also that, um, maybe try to do some research themselves, see, you know, like, try to understand from their spouse's perspective to have some empathy about, you know, if they were not in that circumstance, in that situation with that person, Mm -hmm. see how, how, if they can better understand it and help to provide some objective, um, opinions or not, not objective opinions, but just some objectivity into the situation. Because obviously a person in a traumatic situation does not really have a great ability to be objective. Yeah. And obviously they're also entitled to how they feel and to, you know, have that experience and to express themselves in how they felt during that experience. But I think the spouse can just be, if anything, be a listening ear and just be there for them as best as they can. You know, like I said, not taking the place of somebody who um, can provide you know, the appropriate help that they might need. But I mean, I haven't been, I haven't been in that situation. I mean, I have in other ways Mm -hmm. and you just being there for me, 
um, emotionally and physically was a great deal of help rather mm-hmm. than being absent, yeah. you know, and not, and not caring, yeah. you know, just, just being a caring spouse, yeah. I think. And if, and if your spouse or your partner needs, um, needs more space, maybe giving them the space that they need, yeah. helping them with their physical needs, because, you know, when somebody has gone through a trauma, you know, if we're thinking about it in terms of like levels of, of specific needs, looking at it psychologically, you need to take care of the most basic needs first, mm-hmm. because when you're, especially, especially, so you're saying some, to me especially day, something yeah. like this, you know, it's like, it, that, that's why people are out passing out waters. That's why people are passing out food because, you know, when we go through a trauma, we forget to take care of those basic needs yeah. and you can't, you can't take care of anything. You can't work on your relationship. You can't be successful in what you do. You can't do anything like that. If you aren't eating, yeah. <laughs> if you aren't drinking, if you aren't getting proper sleep. And I mean, there for a few nights, you weren't sleeping much at all. So, yeah. you know, getting even a good nights of sleep is helpful. So if you have kids, like maybe, maybe watching the kids for a while and letting your partner get some rest, yeah. um, you know, taking the kids somewhere while your partner goes to a, um, to a therapy appointment or, you know, just if your partner wants you to be with them, just being with them, you know, whatever, whatever it is, their specific needs are asking them, what do you need and helping them in that way? Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean this, this past year, when I look back on it, I mean, we've gone through some really awesome highs, some pretty low lows. Um, not long before the tornadoes hit, Emily and I both had the flu pretty bad. (laughs) It's been a fun December. Yeah. I missed, was that in December? It feels like It it was the day before my birthday. So my birthday was December okay. 2nd. You got the flu on the 30th or the 29th. Okay. I mean, it was bad. Like I thought for sure that I had COVID. I couldn't, my temperature was like 102 and mm-hmm. my whole body was numb. I missed like three days of work. And then Emily, God bless her, was trying to take care of me. And then she got the flu right mm-hmm. after that. So that was one of those situations where it was like in sickness and in health, truly. I mean, uh, it, it really was. Uh, in good times and in bad. In good times Just December's and bad. been all the, all the vows, yeah. really. I mean, it was a. Uh, that was a pretty bad time because we both had it pretty, like we both had the flu pretty bad. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then earlier this year, I'm, I'm a high school teacher and, um, very sadly, one of my students, uh, passed away in an ATV accident. And that was just really hard to navigate as a teacher and, uh, just as a human. Um, uh, so it, it's just been a heavy fall, you know, heavy last mm-hmm. few months, mm-hmm. but, We've had some just some awesome memories this past year. We got to go to San Diego this year, and you know we've had so many friends come visit us, and we yeah. made new friends. We've you know been in an awesome small group at church, and um, there, I mean just so many beautiful things. And when you, when you think back to this past year of our marriage, um, it's crazy that this is already four years. And I think we we probably <laughs> it really is. we've probably said this every year we've done one of these, but like it it just I I remember our wedding day so vividly. And it does not feel like it was that long ago. And that's mm-hmm. so cliche to say that, I know. But like, it just truly, it's it's remarkable to think about that we've made it for four years. What what do you, what comes to mind when you think about this past year of our marriage? Like, what sticks out to you? Well, man, I mean, people do not lie when they say that time flies the older you get, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I've known that for mm, probably about the, probably the past, like, eight years have really flown by. Um but especially especially since we've been married it just keeps flying by um i don't know i feel like it's so, it's such a subjective question to yeah. ask you know like oh well, what's marriage like cuz you know when we first got married people would be like oh how's married life and it's like yeah. you know it's good but it 
there's also things that aren't great because like, you know, life's not perfect. So, and you know, you're learning and you're adapting and you're learning about each other and you're just trying to, you know, navigate a new dimension to your relationship. And, you know, it's like I said, it's subjective to each couple because, you know, we lived in Indiana at the time and now we live in Kentucky. So it's just, just different things are like, it's just different. And then of course we throw in COVID. So (laughs) it's just been a lot of fun things, but 2021 has probably been the fastest year of my life. I said that for 2020. I was like, this has been the fastest year ever, which is insane because it was also the longest year ever. Yeah. I don't know how that's really Part possible. of me feels like I'm still in 2020, I think. Yeah, I know. I think that's where I'm struggling because it feels like this, this, this is like 2020 been part so two. fast. Yeah. And then I know, I, I read something yesterday that was like, don't think about the fact that 2022 is pronounced like 2022. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like T-O-O. Yeah. Um, but, you know for most of the world and Kentucky and the United States included, like we're still in COVID. So it's not like, you know, we aren't, I mean, thankfully we are vaccinated. Like we have these scientific advances, but obviously we're still living in a time where everything's not like normal, like Mm -hmm. it used to be. So, I mean, we're going to a concert tomorrow night and we're trying to figure out if we have to wear a mask to that and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's not, it's still not like it was in 2019. We're not living in 2019 anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's also not like 2020. So there yeah. have been, you know, 2020 was a hard year for, I think, every person in the world. Um, yeah. It was a hard year for our family. It was a hard year for us just like, you know, you know, you experienced another career shift. Um, I was really starting my career. So we had a lot of those changes. And then 2021 has kind of been settling in more settling into this community, um, trying to, you know, make new friends, meet new people, settle into our jobs. This is your second year at your school. This is my second year working at my job. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, of just settling in, I guess. (laughs) Obviously we've been settled down in terms of being married for a few years, but we're no longer newlyweds. I mean, I definitely think four years you're no longer newlyweds. Um, but we're also not like an old married couple either. Um, and I, and we, you know, we still don't have kids too, but I think, you know, being four years in, we're more comfortable with our, just who we are in our marriage. I mean, I think this past year I have, I've been trying, I'm not great with confrontation. I'm not great with always letting my needs be known. But I think this past year I've done a better job of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's just been a lot of learning and a lot of growing. And obviously there's always room for improvement and we can continue to grow. And I hope that we will continue doing that for the rest of our lives and the rest of, you know, our marriage. But year four has flown. Yeah. One thing that this this is going to be quite the shift in conversation, but this is something that as a couple we have done better this year than oh, any year what we have saved money and paid oh down gosh, debt yes. so much better and yeah, i want to give 21's been a great I, year for like for us financially. and i feel like this is a really pertinent conversation especially for young couples really any couple but young couples especially because it's so difficult when you're mm-hmm. in your 20s and 30s to save and pay down debt yeah and i want to give emily a lot of credit because emily journals 
every single and, and tracks every single purchase that we make very, very diligently. And I mean, just to be frank, the first few years of our marriage, this was a point of contention where mm. I was more of a saver and I felt like Emily was definitely more of a spender. And well, I think I still am. Yeah, but but like there was there wasn't much of an aspect of saving in in at least from you. I mean, and, yeah. and I wasn't great at it either, but this year we have been so intentional. I mean, we paid down like close to $15,000 of debt. Is that correct? Or 10 between 10 and $15,000, something like that. Um and it's and it's been it's been very freeing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know that that's like, people don't like to talk about money, but I've had a few conversations uh, with people, couples even, about money on my podcast. And uh, people have really responded to those mm-hmm. because, you know, the Bible, the, body, the, the Bible talks about money more than any other topic. Mm-hmm. And I know that people don't like to hear that. They don't like to talk about it a lot. Yeah. But um, what have you learned about saving but also what have you learned about the importance of saving and paying down debt this year so cole i'm gonna answer this question in my own unique way and not even (laughs) answer what you directly asked me okay um so i want to i want to preface this all by kind of giving a description of of where we've been financially in our marriage so for the first two years of our marriage i was in grad school so i did not have a full-time job um, so we were pretty much a one paycheck family. Yeah. I worked like part time, very making like minimum wage. So, you know, we, you know, financially, like in terms of our household income was, was a one and we were a one income family pretty much. Yeah. And my paycheck was just used for basically groceries, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been until like this past year that we've really been able to start focusing on finances. And I would advise, I mean, of course, this is a sticky subject and it, everybody has different financial like beliefs, I guess. Because, I mean, ultimately what it boils down to is how finances were discussed in your household. Like if they were never discussed, if they were overly discussed, if you lived in a household of scarcity, if you lived in a household of abundance. Um, so I think those are all things that people should talk about prior to discussing how they either either prior to marriage or, you know, when you do get married to discuss, like, how do we want to handle finances? So I promise I'm going to get to your question. I'm just saying this. <laughs> no, go ahead. So Emily Lay is a, she's an author and she's also a founder and a CEO of, of Simplified. It's a, it's a brand where they make planners and, um, other like, um, journals and stationary stuff. supplies, yeah. office supplies, stuff like that. But in one of her books and in many of her podcasts and stuff, she's, she talks about, um, when she and her husband first got married, her husband sat her down and said, do you want to be the CEO or do you want to be the secretary? And that's just really registered with me. And what she meant by that is like, who's going to be the person to handle the big financial decisions like mortgage investments, um, you know, managing those bigger decisions. And then who's going to be the person in their, in the marriage to decide the day to day, like who's going to be in charge of the day to day, uh, finances and just keeping track of everything and all that kind of stuff. And although we did not have that conversation, I decided to be the secretary. (laughs) Um, That means your boy is the CEO then. Uh huh. Sure. So, um, we don't have a mortgage, but, um, so I, I mean, and which is kind of funny because I literally hate math. 
so 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 much same that's why i, I teach hate, english i hate spreadsheets same. i hate all that stuff i mean i don't use spreadsheets i literally just write it out by yeah. hand but you know i've i think we both have heard about the dave ramsey financial piece right. for years and you know kind of scoffed at it and I know, I know i've had my reservations about it because of several things and honestly because i do like to spend money and i don't want to feel like all my money is going to pay off debt yeah but once we started to really think about how we wanted to invest in our future and think about the way that we want to live our life that doesn't include spending every month for the rest of our lives paying off debt yeah i mean i know it doesn't for me and so i think is as much as it's not fun to maybe put more money toward paying off loans than it is toward you know going on trips all the time or buying fun things for ourselves um you know, we still have quite a bit of bit of work to do um, in terms of paying off debt and in terms of saving for future expenses. We are and infinitely better at this point yes. now than we were a year oh, ago. Absolutely. I mean, I remember this time last year we had we I think it was literally it was this week last year we joined our our checking account. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> three, three we, years we into went marriage. Through, we went through three years of marriage with a separate checking account and. Yeah. Uh, a big reason for that was because I was, and I told them with this, and I'll say it here, I was leery about Emily spending all of the money that I had saved up. And it was mm-hmm. completely illogical so as a married tr- couple. trust your partner. Trust that's, your partner, that's, that's yeah. That's your number one, and d- don't live in yeah. fear. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, just to be frank, it was a big point of contention where I just was worried that all this money that I had saved up from work and stuff was going to go to her shopping habits. And, and I'm, I'm not the greatest at... I no. am not a shopaholic. I, I want everybody to know that. That's I, true. I, I never, we we don't own credit cards. I true. never spend money we don't have. True. Let, let's just. Let's and just and I and I'm and I'm guilty of spending money. In my, like I go out to eat way too often. I, I'm very much somebody who would much rather go through a drive-through or go get coffee than anything else. And I so I spend my money that way. And we right. all have we all have no, our I vices. Think, I think it's funny. So, um, again, I'm I'm trying to make sure I'm answering your question, but. <laughs> within the Dave Ramsey like protocol. So they highly advise like having a savings, which is called an emergency fund of a thousand dollars. So that's step one. And we, we already had a decent savings to begin with, which is, which is a blessing. We just always, we weren't diligent about paying on like more on the debt than we needed to, which is fine, but that means it's going to take longer. So we really buckled down in 20, like January, 2021. And that's been one of the biggest focuses, focuses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for us this year is, you know, being consistent Mm -hmm. and paying off debt. And then also part two of that has been tithing tithing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have tithed more in year four of our marriage than any other year. And I mean, I want to say that we have tithed our whole marriage, but like we have been doing a set amount that we've been contributing to the church every month that comes out of our, comes out of our account. Mm -hmm. And it's more than I've ever tithed. Yeah. Like independently, obviously it's our money together, but um, I think that has been such a blessing to see too, because even though sometimes I know it can feel like, oh, we could use that money for something else. Or, or even we could use that money to pay, pay off, off debt. further off debt. It's yeah. like, well, you know, the first fruits of our of our labor do need to go back to God and they 100%. need to go back to the church. And that's been such a beautiful thing to see because, you know, as we were talking about even just earlier today, like how 
you know, we can live in a scarcity mindset of like, oh, we don't have enough to be able to do that. Or Mm -hmm. we don't have enough to tithe or we don't make enough to be able to do these, these, these. But God has continuously provided for us. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that in a prosperity gospel type way. Like don't, it's not believe in God and he will give you money. (laughs) Right. What I mean by that is. It's an act of faithfulness. Exactly. We're faithful with what we have because we know that God will provide for us regardless of our circumstances. And, you know, this is such a, I'm sorry, I keep talking, but I'm going to keep talking anyway. Um, You know, this is not like my name's on the podcast or anything. It's fine. Well, (laughs) it's not like I'm not this, you're welcome to guest of the podcast. Um, So, you know, this is such a stressful time of year for so many people, you know, especially people who don't budget and we don't necessarily set aside money every month for Christmas time. That might be helpful for some people, but we're diligent throughout Um, the year that we know it's not going to be an issue. Right. So it's not going to wreck us. Like we don't have to take out a loan for Christmas gifts or anything like that. But we've also done a good job of setting certain boundaries with making sure that we don't spend a ton on Christmas. But even so, like with that being said, just the outpouring of generosity of, of people through through from the tornado and just you know just just yeah. the things that have happened. I have something over the I want past, to say about that here. In a yeah, second. I was gonna say just the, some of the things that have happened over the past few weeks. We, we would be fine either way. Like it's not like we are we are dying. We are not. We're not. You homeless. know, we're not homeless. <laughs> we 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 both have jobs. We're fine. But you know, he has done more than we could ever ask or imagine. I mean, I, I was literally just telling. Uh, someone today about this because um like emily said we've been blown away people have just people i haven't talked to in over 10 years have generously given us money after the tornado and um don't hear this and think that we're subliminally like you know asking for money we're not it's just it's it's been blown i've been blown away by like the fact that you know god has provided in his own weird way and it, I'll be honest with you, tithing has, has always been a hard thing for me, and I wish it wasn't, but this was something that my dad has tried to instill in my mind since I was a kid, of the importance of tithing. And I remember when I got my first job out of college, we were sitting down to make a budget, and my, and my salary that year was $25,000. Mm. I was working at a newspaper in Owensboro, and... I, I mean, for me, I was living in an apartment that was like three to three or four hundred dollars a month. I mean, it was a tiny apartment. Uh, it was worth about three to four hundred dollars a month. But I remember my dad sitting me down, and even at that small of a salary, and I had hardly any savings at that time, he said, "You need to, you need to tithe." And it was really hard for me to justify that. And as a single person, I didn't have anybody keeping me accountable and I was not great about it. And like you said, this is not at all a a message of prosperity gospel or anything like that, but God promises that, that he will be faithful to us. And when we trust him with things that we hold tightest to, and that could be money, that could be jobs, that could be relationships, that could be anything when we give those things to God, he is always going to repay us back tenfold. Mm -hmm. And I know for some people listening to this, they're sitting in the throes of a valley. Listen, we are in the the valley right now. Very much, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we've just experienced a disaster. And 
Um, it's just been crazy the the ways in which God has uh, blessed us. And uh, I, I only say this simply as a message that whatever it is that you're holding tight to in your life that you aren't ready to give to God, take a step of faith and give it to God and see what he does. Yeah. And and it might not happen tomorrow. It, it, um, in fact, it probably won't happen right away. And I've written about this um, in you know a book that I'm that I'm hoping to become an actual book one day. <laughs> um, but it, it the the faithfulness of God. I mean, I, I've mentioned this on my podcast plenty of times. But just you think about like right now we're in the dead of winter. We are recording this on the winter solstice. The winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. Mm. And you know we. We, we love Chris Enzema's music, and he has a lot of imagery about gardens and harvests. And um, I, I just I love this imagery so much because you don't no, nobody plants a seed and expects it to grow tomorrow. You wait with it. You 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 tend to it, and you experience the fruits of that labor much later on. And I believe that that is how faith looks. That's how prayer works. And for us, you know, financially for me, that has always been one of the mm. most difficult things to give to God is that I have been so tight with, I, I, I've never, I've never had a, I've been a journalist and a teacher. I've not had a job that has been, um, are you telling me that you're not like, I'm not rolling it? That's true. Yeah. Well, wow. Uh, I mean, for like Emily and I both have two sources of income because mm-hmm. frankly, our our primary sources of income, if we just lived on those alone, probably would be uh, we, we'd be barely be getting by. We so could do it. We could do it, correct. But we both have secondary sources but of income those to help. Secondary sources of income have also helped us. We pay to off, pay debt. off yeah. debt. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like we, yes, uh, I'm just saying all this to say, like we have seen God do some amazing things whenever we have given the things that we are holding tightest to to him Mm -hmm. because um it's just been tremendous to see god's faithfulness in action and Mm -hmm. again that is not prosperity gospel that is simply the gospel yeah you know so um and that that goes for everything not just finances right it's like you know when you when you allow god to work in your circumstance rather than holding so tightly to it um you give him back what's his to begin with right i mean our money's not ours our relationships aren't ours. Our children aren't ours. You yeah. know, like everything that we have. I mean, I, I think I was reading this earlier today. You know, every good and perfect gift is from above. Oh, 100%. You know, and, and we cannot, even if it's through our own blood, sweat, and tears, we aren't given our abilities on our own. Yeah. Like he gives us our abilities. He gives us our talents. He gives us, you know, our bodies and the strength that we have. And why would we not give that back to him? Yeah. And he can then decide what we do with it. But I mean, it's not, it's hard, you know, it's hard to, to, to feel like you're losing grasp of something that's your own. Another thing. And I'll bring it back to the tornado yet again. Um, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a really good reminder that nothing lasts forever. Yeah. You know, like this life isn't forever Yeah, and everything within this life, relationships, things, money, it's not forever. And while that may seem like a scary thing and a morbid thing, it's actually a really freeing thing because we know 
oh my gosh, you know, if I make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. If I, if I do something wrong, it's not the end of the world because, you know, he has it under control. Yeah. Like he, he's in charge and he is, he is so much better than we ever, ever could be. Yeah. And what a gift, what a gift to know that like, it's not up to us. Yeah. You know, and there's I always say to people like there's never there's never a wrong time to do something like if you are have been married for 20 years and you're like I really want to start budgeting start budgeting yeah like if if you didn't start in the first year of your marriage who cares yeah if you're like oh, I've never tithed before I've been a believer for 30 years and I've never tithed before start tithing today yeah you know I mean God is going to use your gifts financial or otherwise at any point in your life I mean I think about people who started writing or started producing uh, music or art or whatever late in the life. Yeah. And, you know, he, he uses that. Yeah. And I mean, I truly believe there's never, a, it's, it's never too late to do what, what God has intended for you yeah. and for your life. I think that's beautifully said. I have a couple more questions that I want to end on here. Um, the first one, just when you think about this past year in, within the context of marriage, what what's one thing that you have learned about God or that God has taught you through the hardships and the good things about this past year? Um, to think before I speak, I think that's been my whole life really. And I'm still learning that. I think I'll learn that till I die. Um, but you know, our, mouths have the power of life or death like our tongues have the power of life or death and he says that and that's always been a thing for me I've always been quick to speak <laughs> and I realized that I have the power to build you up or I have the power to tear you down and I know I've said hurtful things to you before and you've said hurtful things to me too you know and we've had to forgive each other for that and we've had to acknowledge that and just just being just using that for, for good, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I, I've learned a lot about, you know, my unique ability and my role as your partner to be the person that is that is building you up, mm -hmm. to be the person that is encouraging you, especially as a person who needs those words of affirmation. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it is kind of part of my role to be the person who's who gives you those words. Yeah. What about you? I've learned this in other years, but I think, and maybe this is just the season that I'm in right now, but I think one of the biggest takeaways that I will enter into 2022 with is just that when, when we go through the valley and we go through incredibly hard times like we're in right now, God's not farther away. In fact, God is nearer to us than we were before and like it's been really hard um these past this past week and a half like when i think about um just that night of of being in that closet as the storm hit like you mentioned there have been a couple nights when i have not been able to sleep and um, my mind just goes to that that night and i i just I think about how God really spared our house. He spared me. Um, when you look at the damage to our house, 
there's damage on both sides of it. And I don't know exactly what the path of the tornado hit, but I know that I was safe and I felt safe and I was scared. Uh, I was terrified, but there was never a moment where I thought this could be the end. Mm. And I, I really was just more concerned about like, what do I need to do to keep our cats safe and keep myself safe? And I, I never, I never feared that the tornado was going to take my life. Um, and I don't know if that was God protecting me, but I will say that there were a lot of things that night that I felt like were the Holy Spirit telling me to do something. Um, and I've mentioned this to you several times. I mean, that night I parked my car in the garage, which I hardly ever do. I only ever do it if we are getting snow or potentially severe weather. And I did it mostly because I was worried about hail damage hitting my car. I didn't think that a tornado would come through. And uh, a, a tree did fall on our garage, but did not fall through. And there was nothing in the garage that hit my car and everything fell on the car. It was fine. It was fine all week, actually, until ironically, the insurance agent came to visit and backed up into my car, uh, which I had to deal with. Um, but that night, I also uh, just, I, I, I had, I never have taken the directions of a meteorologist so seriously. And if I had hesitated at all, there's a very good chance that something catastrophic could have happened to me. And so the, the second that the, the meteorologist said, if you're in Bowling Green, you need to take shelter right now. And that was when I loaded the cats in the carriers and I took, you know, several items that, that meant a lot to me, my Bible, your laptop, this podcast microphone we're recording this on, my journal, uh, the cats, obviously, down into the basement. And I waited it out. And I don't think I've ever taken shelter like that from a storm. The only time that I've ever done that was whenever I worked in Owensboro and they made us do that when I was at work during a severe storm and obviously at school. But I don't think I've ever made the conscious decision because I've never actually been fearful that a tornado was going to come to me. And just something that whole night was telling me, this is going to be bad. You need to be prepared. And I just, I felt God's protection. And um, to me, like, you know, we're in the season of Advent right now. And we talk about how Jesus is the light in the darkness. And that night we lost power. In fact, our house still does not have power. And I, I, I can't help but think about so many things that mean a lot to me here that we lost power. We went through this, we went through a storm. Um, and obviously the song by casting, I think it's casting crowns, the praise you in the storm. Uh, that song has been a lot to me. Sweet ever after by Ellie Holcomb has been a lot to me. She wrote that after the experiencing the Nashville tornado in 2020, but the fact that we lost power, um, uh, but I felt God with me. Um, and I'm trying to find significance in a lot of things. Maybe this is just the writer in me, but obviously we had a gaping hole in our house and it was pouring down rain. And um, I was able to see the sky and I just, I felt like even in that moment, God was comforting me. Mm. God was with me. God was with us. And God was with, with, with my neighborhood. There was no deaths in our neighborhood. And I'm so thankful for that. And I grieve for the people that have lost people in our, in our, in our city, in our state. But um, I just have felt God's, presence near and around me right now and um it's been crazy i mean the the article that washington post approached me to write something and uh, I, I i wanted to write something eventually but i didn't know when that would be and frankly i didn't know when i would find the words for it but they approached me last week and and i did that and it was cathartic and i had no idea 
what the reach of that would be. And I didn't write it for that purpose. I wrote it because I wanted to tell the story of the heroism that I had seen in our neighborhood and the community and the love that I'd seen from our neighbors. And this ended up in the hands of Mitch McConnell, our state senator, um, obviously one of the most powerful people in the country. And I got a, a message from his rep earlier this week that said he wanted to talk to me on the phone. And it's just been crazy, the reach that this has had and um, just the the goodness that I've seen God do in our community through this. And um, I guess I say all that to say that even in the midst of tragedy, God is near us and God, mm-hmm. God will be near you. And it's, it's not easy. I, I know um, <laughs> you go through something like this, but what I will say is that God hurts with you. Mm. God did not do this to cause you pain, you know, and, and it took me a long time. And if you know my story, you know that I, I struggled with a lot of things like this after um, my biggest faith mentor died. But when you think about it, like God, we say God is our father, much like whenever you're a kid and you're in pain and, you're, and your parents grieve with you, that's that's how God grieves with you. Yeah. Your parents don't cause, whenever, whenever you go through pain on this earth, you don't look at your father or your mother and ask why they let something happen. You understand that there are things in this life that just happen. And I think we have this mistaken idea that God is this puppeteer operating a marionette that he causes things to happen and he does let some things happen but it's not in the sense that he is inflicting purposeful pain on us there's sin in this world and there's heartache in this world as a result of the fall and there are things that are going to happen and god created the world according to laws of science and there are things that happen that you know, I don't understand all the meteorology, all of the weather, but like this stuff happens and it's not God saying like, I'm going to punish this city or these people. It's like when this happens, God grieves with us. He's here with us grieving and he's hurting for us. And there's a lot of uh, music that I've listened to lately that I've just been, that has been saying that message. And I think that's probably the one thing that I've that I've learned the most. And that's a really long-winded way of saying it. But I just, I think that's such an important message because, you know, I've, I've watched teenagers grieve their, Mm. grieve their classmate this year. And that's been incredibly hard to, um, to help them navigate that. They're 15, 16, 17 years old. They don't understand why their, their friend was killed. Yeah. And people in this city don't understand why this, tragedy happened and they want to blame God. And I understand it. And I'll tell you this, that if you go to God with your anger, your frustration, your pain, he can handle it. And in fact, I would challenge you to do that. And I would say that, uh, go to him in prayer, but if you're angry, go to him and go to him with your anger, go to him with your heartache. Um, and I pray that you will, that you will see that he is grieving with you and that Mm. his comfort is with you. Yeah. Um, can I read something on here? Of course. Um, No, you're not allowed to read it. (laughs) Go ahead. I just wanted to close on this note. So I shared this on my Instagram. Um, I did not write this. This is something that Lisa Turkhurst said, and I think it encapsulates what you just said pretty well, but, you know, it's it's really easy to, to, unfortunately, it's easy to see or feel that God's not with us. 
and to feel like our suffering is going unnoticed or to feel like we don't have the answers for why things happen because we, we don't. Um, and things like this don't really have answers, you know, but, um, I just want to read this Lisa Turkers quote because quote, because it's provided a lot of comfort for me in the, the past few days. So she said, when I desperately want to know why something hard is happening, I remember Jesus had all the answers and he still wept. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's, that's a big part of marriage Yeah, is like, you know, even if you weren't there with your spouse, you can still be devastated. Yeah. Even if your spouse is encountering something, whether they're sick, um, and you don't know what that's like, but you're in the, in the ditches with them, you, you know, whatever it is, we can be there for each other and God is there with us. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I don't really believe in coincidences. So I think the fact that this happened in December and it being so close to Christmas and our anniversary is not a coincidence, but is a reminder that not just during Christmas, God is with us. God is with us all the time. Yeah, that's perfect. I do want to end on a good note. With, uh, <laughs> when you think back to this past year of our marriage, um, not that the other stuff wasn't a good note, obviously it is, but uh, maybe a, a, a slightly more upbeat, happy note. Um, when you think back to this past year of marriage, what would be your, your favorite memory or favorite, uh, favorite moment? Oh gosh. How am I supposed to pick a memory in a year? <laughs> um, I really did enjoy our trip to San Diego. Um, we've talked about going to San Diego for years and, um, it was just really sweet to go somewhere that neither one of us had gone and to explore the city and traveling is, is a big love for both of us. And, we always love traveling together and experiencing new things together. And I wish we could do that more, obviously, you know, paying off debt keeps us from doing that a lot (laughs) and, and having jobs and the reality of that. Yeah. But I think that trip was a, is a really big high note for me. Yeah. What about you? I would say probably the same thing. I mean, I I loved that trip. It was a really, really, it, it was, I'll say this. It was very stressful for me because yeah. at the time I was uh, finishing up the Lisa Turkhurst book proposal boot camp, which was a big, big deal for me. And I just felt a lot of stress to get that done. I was writing an article for Sports Spectrum magazine actually on the flight there. Um, and so that was, I, I, I did have a hard time relaxing on that trip. We talked about that, but there were so many awesome things about that trip that we got to experience. And um, yeah, I, I loved being able to go to the Padres game and all the different coffee and um, good food and just things that we got to have there. It was just a lot of fun. So I know that it's kind of lame that we had the same answer, but uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, like there are little things about this year. Like I I made my own beer. That was fun. It was really good. That doesn't have anything to do with our marriage. I'm just thinking about 2021. That was really fun. Um, Just little things. I mean, just being at the house, watching TV together is a lot of fun too. So I I just love being with you and, uh, I just love shout be- out to Outer Banks season oh, two. Oh, Outer Banks, yeah, Outer Banks season two. I was not a big fan of you season three. It was a little hectic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched that, but um, yeah, I, I just just little moments of just like the daily mundane things, you know, that we get to do. Yeah. Well, cheers to your empty cup, your empty cup, 
cheers to year four. <laughs> and can't wait to see what the next year has in store for us. That's right. Love you. <laughs>